everyone, and welcome to another episode of the V Auto Podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson with V Auto, and I'll be your host for today's conversation. Our goal with this episode is to bring some clarity and focus on current and emerging market conditions in used vehicles and the operational implications they create for dealers as we move through the last half of 2022. A couple of weeks ago, I was part of a V-Auto marketing team meeting where my guest for this episode shared what I considered a sharp and thorough rundown of the market factors that would create opportunity and risk for dealers. The presenter was Mark Strand, Senior Director of Economic and Industry Insights for Cox Automotive. I thought the data that he has in hand and how he thinks about it would be fertile ground for today's podcast conversation. So Mark, welcome to the podcast and thank you for taking time for us. Thank you, Lance, happy to be here, my pleasure. Great, well, Mark, just to always uh, level set in a bit here with our listeners and make sure that they know you just a little bit more than the name I just shared, uh, tell us about the work you do for Cox Automotive in your background, please. Sure, sure. Again, my pleasure. Um, I'm on the Economic and Industry Insights team that supports our chief economist, Jonathan Smoke. Um, the essence of what we do uh, every day is to try to use data to, to read the tea leaves on the direction of the industry, really. We try to take a holistic view uh, and synthesize in, into a coherent story You know, all the data points we can get our hands on that we can track. Macro indicators, demographics, consumer sentiment, uh, retail demand, vehicle valuations, everything. And, and, yep. and we, tr we try to do that for local markets where we can, although the data can can be thinner. But, you know, we, we live the, the big data mantra, you know. And for my background, uh, I've been in the automotive space for over 15 years. I, I started the journey with NADA as a, a market analyst and, and later economist. From there, I spent a few years with, with RL Polk, working on OEM accounts, supplying registration and loyalty data, you know, the data they use mm -hmm. for their strategic marketing decisions and, and managing their dealer networks and, and understanding local market dynamics. Uh, so I've seen the industry from multiple angles, encompassing, you know, both the dealer and OEM perspectives, uh, really, you know, sp spending all of our days trying to get our hands on the best data and get as local and, and near real time as possible. Excellent. Sounds like a varied background that's typical for a lot of us uh, that work at Cox Automotive. And I, th I think probably like me, you're happy to be in the car business these days. Yep. Well, let's speaking of the data, Mark, let, let's start with a look at used vehicle values in the wholesale market. Now, I've under I've understood that we're we have seen some depreciation and it's a little bit more normal looking overall, but perhaps values in some segments are stable and in others they aren't. Uh, and, and even more recently, it seemed like I, I was reading that the values have risen a, a bit. And, and so I guess, can you speak to um, what's happening with values and depreciation and some of the segment set sensitivity that might be going on? Sure, and and that that is correct, and and what we're seeing in in the latest data is that that you know in in the last few weeks we have been kind of in an inflection point in in the market. You know, we're getting. I hesitate to use the the term normal because uh, we're still not out of kind of an abnormal period of history, uh, and particularly in in the auto market, but becoming more normal, becoming more normalized with with some depreciation uh, happening 
in the back half of the year after the spring selling season. You know, we're, we're really kind of more at an inflection point where used vehicles have returned to becoming a, a depreciating uh, asset. There's some, some level of equilibrium between supply and demand out there. Um, you know, I would add, though, that, you know, tight supply is going to persist for years uh, and, and we really have, have reached kind of a step change in vehicle values, right? We're, we're at a higher level that's going to persist for a while, but we're starting to see the return that, you know, within that context, uh, you're going to see more normal depreciation patterns uh, throughout the year. And, and we've definitely seen that in, in recent weeks. More, more recently, we've seen wholesale values softening maybe even a little more than you would usually see at this time of year, but but we think that's generally temporary. I mean, there, there's two main factors that we've seen impacting uh, values over the last month or so. One of the factors is that, you know, due to the, the supply situation on the new car side, rental car companies uh, have had to kind of periodically dip into the used market to supplement their fleets. Yep. And that has had a big impact to the upside kind of kind of driving uh vehicle values up more than usual because they've been paying premium prices right uh, mm -hmm. but as of june you know they kind of stepped back and and have not been buying so far so that's kind of one pressure point that was removed from the market and and the other thing we think is that you know at this juncture with rising interest rates and and the inflation narrative out there impacting consumers we think overall uh, dealers have hedged a little bit and are, are stepping back a bit and trying to assess, you know, the overall impact. So they're kind of uh, trimming their inventory and, and scaling back buying a little bit to kind of digest where they are and, and what that second half of 2022 um, is going to look like um, and, and what that means for segment. So so segment or body style perspectives. Yeah. I mean, what we're seeing is that, you know, while values overall are a little softer, um, it's the more affordable basic transportation like sedans and, and compact CUVs uh, that are outperforming, maybe depreciating less or in some cases gaining a little bit, right? Which is what you might expect uh, okay. with the affordability pressures coming at the average household out there right now, the average used car buying household uh, from multiple fronts. Um, we're seeing, you know, where the relative softness is, and, and I say relative, right, the relative softness is, is in pickups and full-size SUVs right now, which when you think about the dynamics out there, those are the right now the costliest vehicles, uh, both in terms of price and daily operation for the, for the yeah. average used vehicle household, right? Um, so we're definitely seeing more interest in those entry-level basic transportation options. Uh, one last thing I will point out on, on segment is that uh, vans are doing particularly well in relative terms and, and outperforming the overall market most on valuations. And, and that's really been a feature uh, of the entire pandemic period, you know, with the proliferation of delivery services out there and, and you know, van manufacturing has been impacted by the same supply constraints as all other body styles. So, you know, with that, increased trend towards more vans needed for delivery service. Uh, they, they've really been in uh, great demand. So if you can be lucky enough to get your hands on some van inventory, you've got plenty of, of outlets out there to, to turn a profit. And does that van definition extend to minivans like the Odyssey that's parked in my driveway? 
Uh, it does. I mean, that's not so. I mean, I could see some people maybe trying to repurpose a mini, a mini, a minivan if they're kind of contracting to, you know, if they're doing DoorDash or something like that, because um, it's got dual purpose in the family. But, but one other kind of broader macro trend we've seen uh, since 2020 is that you know millennials are starting to turn 40. Right, the the yeah. oldest uh, millennials turned 40 in 2021. Uh, they may be starting households a little later than than prior generations, but we've seen kind of a surge in demand for for minivans because they're they're getting to that phase of moving to the suburbs and and starting families. Um, so that that has been a tailwind to minivans as well. Well, Mark, I want to go back to two points that you you raised there um, before I ask a fresh question. The first of which is related to depreciation. I'm wondering if we can quantify what that might be in terms of uh, percentages here for our listeners. Sure. Well, well, we're looking at this by week. In, in, in the last week, most recent week for which we have data, I mean, it, it was close to a 1%, a little less, but around 0.8, you know, 8 percentage points, uh, 0.8 of a percent uh, mm -hmm. week over week. And looking at the last three weeks, most of July, when we talked about kind of uh, the lack of that pressure from rental car companies buying in cumulative, it's about 2% down over the last three weeks. Okay, thank you. And then the, the second question was, you mentioned that the dealers may be hedging a little bit, trimming inventory and scaling some of their acquisitions back a touch. Um, and I'm just reminded, I believe the average day's supply on dealer lots runs about 50 days. So if that's what they're doing, that would seem to make good sense in this current moment. Yeah, and, and and you know, leaving out the the, the dynamics of, of supply that have been imba impacted by the pandemic. I mean, typically going back to 2019, uh, used car dealers keep about 45 days. So if we're running a little ahead of, ahead of that, closer to 50, um, it, it makes sense that with, with all the other uncertainty out there in the market that, that we think dealers are just kind of pulling back a little bit to it to assess where things are going. Very good. Now, let me, we just talked about wholesale values. Let's look at the current state of retail prices and, and sales volume. I understand that generally speaking, what happens in the wholesale market translates into the retail market. So what might we be seeing there in terms of uh, changes to pricing and, and perhaps any sensitivity that, that's segment specific? I think uh, great question again, I and mean, I think the story is relatively consistent on the retail side. We do see that lag. It's typically about a five-week lag before what we see happening at wholesale translates into retail price trends. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but right now, prices are firm and stable on the retail side. Uh, sales momentum, volume momentum. Uh, is, is also actually, when we look at the last couple of weeks, seems to be picking up uh, a little bit. You know, the volumes are down overall a bit compared to 2021 with, you know, those higher costs out there and, and more financial pressure on used car households. Um, we're still seeing uh, firm prices hold up, you know, and when we look at the retail market overall this year you know we didn't see as pronounced a spring bump because of yeah. delays with tax refunds right the disbursement of tax refund checks was very gradual mm -hmm. and stretched out over a longer period this year so that really had the impact of spreading out the spring season and you know some of that demand with uncertainty out there is probably persisting into 
mid-year and you know it's made the sales trend a little flat flatter than we would normal normally see but when when you look at year to date uh june it, it 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 kind of adds up in the end right and with that when you think about from a segment perspective where it's gone uh we're seeing kind of the same trends at retail right it, it it's the uh, demand is is most intense for those affordable entry-level vehicles that are, are actually in shortest supply out there. Um, but when, when you look at that gap or the margin between where you know wholesale is right now, maybe softening a, a little bit, there's some buying opportunities out there. Uh, we're still seeing firmness, firmness on the retail side. So there is a, still an opportunity out there and we think there's gonna be a window here for, for dealers to turn uh, a healthy profit for the, the next several weeks at least before we start to see uh, maybe some of that softening in the wholesale price catch up on the retail side. Okay, but but perhaps it's already there a bit. That's retail softening when we're talking SUVs and trucks. Yes, and 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 that you know we're attributing that mostly to the that affordability story, right? The the increase okay. in fuel prices, although that's starting to moderate now, and we hope it moderates further. Um, but when you look at the, the run-up in prices, again, th those are the most expensive, uh, costliest to operate vehicles. And with you know the rapidity which uh, inflation has taken hold, uh, I think that's caused a lot of consumers to kind of back off and, and look for those more affordable vehicles. The, the problem there is, and, and the reason uh, those more compact and affordable vehicles are performing so well is, you know, that's where the tightest supply is. When you go back pre-COVID, uh, consumer taste kind of shifted in favor of uh, utilities and pickups, right? Those vehicles, when you compare it to what happened in 2008, even large uh, vehicles today are much lighter. They use six cylinders, use more turbos. They're more fuel efficient than they've ever been. And the consumer likes the experience, likes the room and the utility. Yeah. So preferences shifted that way. The, the Detroit OEMs basically abandoned sedans that really left only kind of, you know, Toyota, Honda and the Asian suppliers. And those are the OEMs right now having the, the most severe supply challenges. So in the pipeline, we had limited supply of sedans and we're not catching up on production right now. So that's the tightest part of the market. Well, I know that makes it for a perfect segue, Mark, because I wanted to ask a bit about CPO units because we have seen, you know, over the last five, seven years for sure, that, that CPO has been an especially strong part of the used vehicle inventory portfolio of franchise dealers. Um, and I guess I'm, and I've also understood that some manufacturers have extended the model years uh, that are eligible. So five and seven-year-old cars can be a, a CPO unit. But I also know, just as we've talked, that uh, that's the supplies of those are going have been and will remain constrained. So I'm, I'm curious what you're seeing there in terms of supply and demand for CPO eligible vehicles and perhaps market dynamics that are related to those moving forward. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a great and uh, very pertinent question. Um, you're right about the popularity of CPO vehicles. Um, the, the outlook for supply on, you know, I'll, I'll use the term nearly new, yeah. Uh, as, as that CPO profile vehicle, I mean, that's going to remain challenged for the foreseeable future. And, and when you think about the, the supply dynamics, you know, really, we have to wait 
until the point that new vehicle production constraints are removed and, and leasing returns to normal levels before we can really even start the clock on the countdown to when we will see materially improved supply of these one to three year old vehicles in, in the used market. You know, at, at this juncture, as we sit here this morning, um, as we all know, due to the lack of new vehicle supply, right? Sales this year are, are capped at what looks like about, you know, 14 million units, give or take, maybe, maybe a little more to the upside on that if mm -hmm. production improves backside of this year. Um, but on top of that overall volume constraint, you know, leasing, which, which is the primary source for these CPO pro profile units, uh, is way down this year and, and last year, right? Uh, yeah. Prior to the supply crisis, lease penetration um, was close to 30%, you know, on 16 million units. So almost one in three new vehicles sold was a lease, and that gave you a steady supply into the CPO market. But, but right now, lease penetration is closer to 20% or one in five of the more limited volumes we're selling. And, and that's mainly because with tight supply and low incentive spend, OEMs just don't have to subvent leases or make, you know, or spend money to incentivize lease offers. They, they can sell everything they have and the value proposition right now to the consumer is, is to purchase rather than lease. So with that reality, you know, the path to back, the path back to what we would call normality with supply of nearly new vehicles doesn't begin until we get new vehicle production back to a level that supports a, an annual sales rate around 16 million units. And then when lease penetration gets back close to, to 30%. So for that to translate to materially improved supply of younger used vehicles, you know, we're, we're still talking about a time frame of years. So that's going to continue to be uh, a super hyper competitive part uh, of the market out there. And yeah. to, the, to the second part of the question on the dynamics of extending CPO to, to older vehicles, I think that, you know, obviously makes things a little tougher on the independent dealer space, right? We yeah. all know certain brands are known for durability and longevity. And, you know, the older vehicles from these brands will run reliably at a, at a low, relatively low maintenance cost, well past 100,000 miles or say, you know, eight years of age. And traditionally, franchise dealers have mostly kind of passed on these older units and they end up being more the, you know, the bread and butter of independent dealer right inventory, right? So in, in this supply constrained uh, market that we're going to continue to see with OEM support, you know, on CPO certification for these older units, franchise dealers are going to be incentivized to keep and retail more. Um, so the bottom line is going to be that, you know, that that's going to, it changes the value perception on those eight year old vehicles. They're going to become more sought after and, you know, the acquisition cost is going to go up. And that's, that's just going to make things a little tougher on that independent dealer space, I think. Very good. And you just touched on acquisition. So let's spend a minute on how dealers are acquiring inventory, Mark. And I, I've been struck just by how much dealers have shifted from pretty much relying on auctions and trade-ins to, to plumbing whatever channel they can find cars. And at the same time, if they're going to auction a lot, it, it seems like there's been a pretty seismic sort of shift to digital purchases rather than in lane. So I'm wondering if you could just give us a little color on recent auction activity in lane and online and perhaps how we're thinking that will look, you know, in the months ahead. 
Well, I, I mean, I, I like your your comments on the shift to more direct acquisition because because being in the industry, you know, I, I pay attention to that, and I, I notice. Anecdotally, personally, I get solicitations via email, like almost daily, to buy my vehicle. Whether whether it's from a dealer I've done business with in the past, or Carvana or CarMax, you know, someone's got a marketing list out there, and I and I think in the future OEMs might do this more. But but basically, they've, they've I think they've got a list of VINs in operation right now, and they're they're finding ways to tie those VINs to email addresses and owners. Yeah. And they're they're just going direct to customer and and blasting you with email in, in, in hopes you know that you'll you'll get into their their buying queue. Um, so so I think that's gonna something that's gonna persist, but more with the traditional auctions and the shift to, to digital you know high level. There's definitely been a shift uh, to more comfort with digital acquisition channels that was catalyzed by the pandemic. You know the last data I looked at in in 2019 it was about 20% of wholesale volume that was transacting digital only, or, you know, you can call it upstream or offsite, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, that has increased steadily throughout the pandemic. And I, I think it's going up, you know, every quarter, I think it's about 35% of units right now we're seeing that, that are going digital only. Um, if you add in simulcast and, you know, in-lane or on-site units, uh, that, that have a digital element to the transaction. Uh, the share of vehicles transacting that way has gone from about 50% in 2019 to the 75 to 80% range right now. And you know, when you think about how dealers operate, I mean, it, it, it could go higher, but you know, I, we expect that level of it to stick. The question to, to me will be, Hopefully, going forward, as COVID risk is lessening, you know, dealers always like to go to the auctions and kind of experience uh, the inventory in person if they can. It's a social opportunity, ear to ground in the in the local market. So, so I think, you know, maybe maybe we'll see a little bit of a plateau, but but it, it's not going back. I think yeah. that the dealers have gotten that taste of the the ease. The trust has grown. There's a lot of assurances now. And, and you know money back guarantees that come from from the auctions themselves. So, so I think we've definitely had had a, a step change in, in how at least at the auction uh, vehicles are going to transact. Excellent. A final question, Mark. And we've covered a lot of ground here in the the past few minutes. And I'm just wondering, you know, our our audience is primarily dealers, managers, and others that work in dealerships. So. If you were to put on the hat of a used vehicle manager right now, based on everything that you see in front of you, what would you set as maybe your top two or three operational priorities here for the back half of 2022? Well, that is that is a great question. Um, and that there's a lot of directions you can go to call out ways to get, you know, more efficient and, and profitable with with some of the challenges and uncertainty out there. But, you know, when I think about, so I'm putting the hat on my biases, I, I've got one particular direction to, to go with that. And I, and I would mm -hmm. say the number one thing is I would be prepared, you know, currently and going forward in 2022 to kind of be in position to use any demand signal data I have at my disposal to understand um, in as near real time as possible how demand and behavior of, of the local used car buyer in my market is changing or adapting 
right, in response to the market challenges out there. And that's, you know, that's inflation, that, that's rising interest rates, uh, these things that are squeezing the budget of the average used car buying household more than, you know, say, say the high income new car buyer. And, you know, that's going to have different impacts in different markets. Not all markets, not the, the backyard of every dealer is not the same as, as the backyard of another dealer. Right. Right. Um, so, so how do you stay on top of that? Right. And when we think about it, you know, in many ways we're, we're living through uh, an economic financial behavioral experiment in, in, in real time here, we've got this 40 year high levels of inflation. We've got this pressure on the consumer out there. And the strategy of the fed is to raise interest rates to try to, you know, align demand with supply and, and bring inflation down right and that really that pressures that used car buyer and we're already in a market where before we before we got into the inflation problem supply and choice were already constrained right it, it was hard to find the vehicle that you wanted so this is just piling on so from the from the dealer perspective you know i would think about ways to work with your vendor representatives your performance managers things like that to really regularly access and scrutinize any real-time demand signal data you have available and see if you can see how your customers are reacting and changing their behavior. And to me, this would include, you know, your website data, yep. inventory engagement metrics, the kind of leads you're getting, who's coming into your store, are they leaving frustrated? What kind of vehicles are they looking for? And you know, compare what's happening now, and compare what's happening as we go through this period to what your customers were doing last year and in 2020. Right? What kind of vehicles are getting the most engagement at what price points and and body styles? And and really be prepared to use that data to guide your your inventory mix and optimization to try and stay in step with the consumer as they adjust to all this. Wonderful. That's a great answer. And it, it speaks uh, straight up to the kind of the fundamentals that maybe when things were so much in a go-go mode the past two years, no one really had to think about. Yep. Well, Mark, thank you very much for, for taking time for us for this podcast. We appreciate your perspective and the insights you brought for us. Excellent. My pleasure to be here. And thank you. And everyone listening, thank you for joining this episode of the V-Auto Podcast. Until next time. Stay well.